I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona. And yesterday was quite the unexpected day for the Green Bay Packers. The only expected thing that actually did occur was a victory. They defeated the Jets 31-24, to but the road to getting that victory was quite a bumpy one and quite an interesting one. So we'll have quite a bit to say about this game. And then once again, we'll make our picks for week three after... Uh, Matt did okay. He was uh, he's on a borderline playoff team right now after this week. I'm I'm just playing out the string because I was absolutely horrible. Almost everything I said that would happen yesterday, the opposite happened. So we'll talk a little bit about that and some of the weird stuff that happened in the NFL. But Matt, let's start with yesterday's game against the Jets. A lot of positives and a lot of negatives coming out of this game. I guess I'll leave it up to you. Which way do you want to start? So either positive or negative, how am I feeling today? Yeah. I mean, after the first half, I was thinking to myself, even if they win, there's no way I'm going to feel good about this game. But I guess I did start to feel a little bit better after the game was done. Mm-hmm. That first half, just to start that poorly against such a bad offense. I mean, I think our defense is bad, and it's just as bad as it's been. Mm-hmm. But um, at least, you know, the offense was able to turn it around. I hate how slow Rodgers started. If you do that against other teams like we saw last week against Seattle, you're done. You're not going to catch up. Yeah. Uh, but luckily, you're playing the New York Jets. So... I am uh, I am excited that they pulled out the win. I think that's a huge win for them. And the Jets, let's face it, they're not a good team, but it's a good win still. I, I mean, they're going to beat some teams probably that they're not supposed to this year, and they can be a little bit dangerous. So I'm happy they won, but, yeah, there's I'm still not feeling great about this team's chances this year to do anything real special. Yeah, I, I'm still not even sure how I feel about yesterday. For a while in the first half, obviously everyone was concerned. They were getting their butts kicked. But... It looked like they were a team that, on both sides of the ball, were like four years behind the times. Mm -hmm. The Packers were running their offense that worked in 2010 and 2011 that was knocked down a peg in 2012 and 13, and they're still running it. Everybody knows what's going to happen. They can't get first downs, and the defense is getting exposed like we've seen repeatedly uh, in the last three or four years. And then they kind of flipped a switch, and it made me think, well... Last week I came out here and I criticized McCarthy and Rodgers for their insistence on sticking with what they do and all this, and they slowly beat down that Jets defense, and it turned out to be a pretty nice day offensively, 390 yards uh, total offense. And the defense, who I want to talk about, was horrible in that first half. I actually crunched the numbers today. In the first three drives, the Jets got three touchdowns, ten first downs, 182 yards of total offense, and no punts. That's in three drives. That's what built their 21-3 lead. But the rest of the game, on eight drives, they punted five times, only gained nine first downs, only 130 yards in eight drives, a turnover, and a turnover on downs. Now, granted, there was some controversy at the end that we'll talk about, but Does this make you feel better how the defense was able to, in-game, make an adjustment to slow down a team that they had no answers for in the first half? Yeah, I think that was one of my positives I took out of the games. It seems like they don't really ever adjust much during the game, and it seemed like that's exactly what they did. Either that or the Jets scripted the first 20 plays of the game, and they were ridiculously (laughs) awesome, and then they ran out of stuff to call after that. That could be. But... Yeah, I mean, it, it's at least positive to see them have a strong half. You can't take that away from what they did. And they played really well in the second half. And, um, you know, that's definitely better than ending how you started because they would have gotten completely blown out of the water had they done that. So mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, it's a positive. I guess I don't think the defense is, is good still, but it's it's definitely better than how they started. Yeah, it's a double-edged sword like everything else in this game that 
finally we see them adjust in the middle of a game. And granted, they did that against Dallas the year before, but I kind of attribute that more to Dallas being stupid and not sticking with what was working, whereas the Jets looked like they legitimately were trying to do the same things they had done in the first half, and the Packers had answers for them. The run defense, I thought, got better. Mike Daniels was insane yesterday. Uh, He played like a Pro Bowl player yesterday, and I think he might have uh, rallied the team around him a little bit. But at the same point, like you said a little bit earlier, this was the Jets. If you start this way against New Orleans, by the time your offense gets rolling, you're not going to be down 21-3. to You're going to be down... 31 to 3 or 41 to 3 you're never going to have the chance to come back on somebody and so i guess i'm glad to see them get back into it the comeback 18 point comeback was the tied for the third biggest in franchise history uh which they came back early so that's kind of lost on everyone uh because it was already a five point game by halftime so it was they've accomplished something they haven't done very often with this team but you feel like you got to grade it on a curve a little bit because if they play this way against even Detroit this next week or Chicago the following week, they're going to get buried in yards and points before they even have a chance to start making a comeback. Mm-hmm. So I guess we could talk a little bit about – I guess I don't really even know where to go from here. I thought the offense, again – Aaron Rodgers just held on the ball forever on a couple of occasions, but that 97-yard drive at a minute 44 to end the half after a turnover was about as good as I've seen this offense in a while, maybe since before the Rodgers injury. And they were putting up a lot of points, and granted that Mason Crosby field goal after field goal was a little disheartening, but it kind of just goes to show you that sometimes people like me want to overreact to them not doing enough when this offense kind of proves that if you just keep chipping away, you're going to get back into the game. Yeah, I, and I agree. I think that uh, it was really nice to see Rodgers kind of turn around, and Jordy obviously having just an absolute monster game. Mm-hmm. The, the only unfortunate thing is they felt really one-dimensional. It seemed like yeah. Nelson could have his way with Milliner or whoever was covering him, but nobody else could really do much in terms of getting open, which was a little frustrating. But the Jets do have a pretty good defense, too. So you end up putting 31 points on the board against a pretty good team. Grant, they did lose probably their best player on their whole roster there in the third quarter due to a, a dumb mistake. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I, the running game was disappointing. Um, overall, the receivers, other than Jordy, were kind of quiet. But, you know, I, I still, I guess I liked what they did going into the, into the second half and throughout the whole second half. I thought they did a really nice job. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the one-dimensional part. Jordy Nelson, by the way, having the second highest single-game receiving yardage total in the last 55 years of Packers football. Do you have a guess on who's ahead of him? I was trying to think about that yesterday. I was mad that they didn't see the stat (laughs) uh, right on TV there. I was thinking, um, I'm going to say Javon Walker. He's close. He had a 200-yard game in that Colts shootout in uh, 2004. It's actually Don Beebe. On Monday Night Football against the 49ers, 49ers. yeah, and a bunch of those yards shouldn't have counted because he got touched down, if you remember that, and then ran Mm -hmm. for a touchdown anyways. Uh, Jordy Nelson, very Don Beebe-like yesterday, almost exactly played the same way Beebe did, I thought. (laughs) But going on on that, uh, I want to talk about Eddie Lacy because he struggled once again, and there might be some different reasons for that, but I started thinking about Randall Cobb after seeing the way Jordy played yesterday, and he's a guy who's trying to get the big contract, and a lot of people think he's worthy of it. But I broke down their two numbers. Uh, since Randall Cobb came back from injury, he's played four games, including the San Francisco playoff game. He's got 15 catches for 203 yards. That's in four games. So that's about 50 yards a game, a little less than four catches a game. Six touchdowns, though. But he's only been targeted 19 times. In those four games, Jordy, on the other hand, 54 targets, 35 catches, 515 yards. Now, he had 200 yesterday, but he also had 160 against the Bears, and near, and he had 100 against Seattle. He had almost 100 against uh, the 49ers in the playoffs. He's only got two touchdowns, but I don't know about you right now, but I'm starting to wonder, as dynamic as Randall Cobb is, it hasn't translated into production in a... I guess, easily seen way. And I guess what are your thoughts on that, being a, a receiver uh, in, in a past life and in almost this offseason as a semi-pro receiver? Are, what are your thoughts, I guess? Are they using Cobb differently, or is he not quite 
the cog in this offense that Jordy is, what is the reason that he's targeted almost, Jordy's targeted almost three to one to Randall Cobb and has doubled his production in every area but touchdowns? Well, I think there's definitely a trust factor there with Nelson that might not be there with Cobb, but it, to me, you know, had before his injury, if you asked me should they pay him, you know, whatever he wants, I would have say, said yes, but it just seems like since then it, he just hasn't been quite as dynamic and it seems like even when he has the ball in his hands, He's just not quite doing what we're expecting Randall Cobb to do. And um, he's catching the touchdowns, but, I mean, they've just been, like, short little in-routes and stuff like that, whereas yeah. the catches that Jordy's making are spectacular, like, you know, jumping over DBs, good comeback route, kind of stuff like that, where it just seems like, and it's hard to tell down the field watching the regular game without looking at game film, but to me it doesn't seem like he's getting open as much. Mm-hmm which is a big reason for that. And a quick guy like that in the slot should be. So I would say, you know, maybe he hasn't quite got his explosiveness back yet. Um, I, I expect that to turn around this year. I don't think he's going to average 50 yards a game throughout the year. And I think he'll get some more targets. But I think it's just the fact that the pressure's been on Rodgers. They're down 21 nothing or whatever it is. And he's got to go to a guy that he trusts. So he's just get, feeding the ball to Jordan, who catches the ball every single time. Yeah, and I guess if you are in trouble, Jordy's a... He's a matchup problem more than Cobb. I mean, Cobb's matchup advantage comes from speed and quickness and making space, whereas Jordy, he's the kind of guy. Um, it's kind of the difference that they had in, in you know, ten years ago with Javon Walker versus Donald Driver. Whereas yeah. Donald Driver, if he beats you, he's going to beat you at the line of scrimmage, and if you are able to handle that move, more often than not, you're going to cover him. Whereas Donald Driver, or whereas Javon Walker and also Jordy Nelson. These guys are never quite completely covered, and that if you're in a bind, you can take that 50-50 chance throwing a ball up to them, and there's a good chance your guy's either going to catch it or knock it down. Yes. So I guess it's a little different dynamic, but still striking that the production is so different when those guys were really, um, I guess, thought to be on par as far as to who is better and who you're going to give a contract to, and, and Jordy right now is way out in front when it comes to actual production. Yeah, it, it sure seemed like Cobb was on the fringe of elite or getting there or going to be there really soon, um, or just early last year, and things just haven't quite propelled to that level yet. So, again, I, I expect and I hope to see that change here really quickly, but, it's uh, yeah, it's been a little bit disappointing. Well, there's a lot of season left, so hopefully... Exactly, it's only week two. Yeah, um, which is good because another guy who needs to get going here is Eddie Lacy. 25 carries for 77 yards. His longest run is 15 yards so far this year. Again, it's only two games, and 25 carries in two games uh, is really indicative of what's happened to the Packers in that they can't run the ball because they're getting blown away in the first half so far in these two games. But even when he's gotten the ball, it's been kind of iffy. James Starks, on the other hand, he's only had uh, seven carries, but he's averaging... uh, Oh, I was looking at the wrong... Oh, no, he's he's averaging... uh, 5.3 5.3 yards per attempt, but again, he's only had seven carries. Only 43 rushes have been attempted this year, six by Aaron Rodgers, two by Randall Cobb, so they've almost run the ball none. But uh, any concerns about the way Eddie Lacy started this season? I definitely think so. I mean, especially, the thing is, the reason he hasn't gotten so many carries is because they're always behind, so at that point it's kind of hard to get running, but with this passing game that we have, there's no reason that he shouldn't be running for more yards per carry, mm-hmm. and you know, to run for just over three yards a pop yesterday, a good defensive front for sure. But it just seemed like what we saw through the preseason is he was just going to be an absolute monster this year. And I was expecting, you know, just 100-yard game after 100-yard game. And it just seems like he's almost like what I think we felt at the beginning of last year when he, before he kind of really turned it on is maybe he seems like he's going down a little bit too easily. Yeah. Um, also, in terms of the offensive line, the holes haven't really been there clearly as well. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, regardless, I mean, with the way this guy normally runs, I expect more than three yards of carry, even if there's no hole. So I, uh, I'm definitely concerned. But again, like with Cobb, I think that this will turn around. Yeah, and I, I, I agree with you. I think eventually it has to start getting going, and maybe they'll wear him down and, and whatnot. But we're talking so much outside of Jordy Nelson Honestly, outside of Jordy Nelson, I looked at Mike Daniels. He had a good game the other uh, week against Seattle as well. But I, uh, Rob Domovsky, who of ESPN.com, you made a really good point um, when he was talking on one of the postgame shows yesterday where he said that he felt the Packers were resembling the 99 Packers, where they were squeaking out wins early in the season, that they were playing teams you thought they should handle, and they just barely snuck by. 
and it really showed almost how fragile the team was. And he compared this year's team to that similar early season feeling, and it's hard to disagree with that. You see they have the talent. I mean, if you look at that 99 team, they had a outside of Reggie White and Holmgren, which are big pieces, admittedly. The rest of the team was the Super Bowl roster from 1996. And just to see this team kind of struggle in so many areas, and like you said, very one-dimensional on offense. The defense is incredibly hit and miss. To be taken to the limit at home by a team like the New York Jets, I don't want to always be the doom and gloom guy, but I... I'm relieved they won yesterday. I'm expecting them to get better, but there's a part of me that's like, I really shouldn't have too much confidence that they're going to get better until I actually see it, because this team feels like they're uh, on a little bit of thin ice right now. Yeah, absolutely, and I don't know any of the, usually, you know, in the last few years, you go into some games just knowing you have a win, and I don't know if we're going to have that feeling at all this year, regardless of who they're playing, because like you said, they just seem so fragile. If, uh, you know, if one person, if, if, Jordy Nelson gets injured. They could be toast, you know, yeah. or even just they have a couple of unfortunate turnovers or give up a couple of big plays like yesterday. I mean, they could lose to anybody. Yeah. They don't feel like that elite team anymore necessarily, and it just seems like they're right on the edge of being average. Yeah, and maybe we just got a little bit too excited. Uh, I mean, the preseason was awesome, but now look at who they beat up on in the preseason. St. Louis, Kansas City, Oakland, <laughs> All three teams just look like absolute garbage so yeah. far this year. And, man, we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, the 99 comparison just really struck me. And I know I'm a nerd, so I've seen all those games a lot more recently than most Packer fans. But um, just remembering that season where it, every week it was like, oh, here comes Carolina, we'll beat them. Oh, we lost to them. Oh, here, oh Detroit's no good. Oh, we lost to them too. It was like... Every, you were waiting for them to turn the corner, and then all of a sudden the season ran out, and we didn't have enough games to be in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I could totally see that happening this year. Yeah, I, I don't remember as much about that season as you do, I'm sure, but I do remember it being really frustrating, and I could definitely see that. Yeah. Uh, but luckily yesterday, um, and, and two, I want to bring this up, it was a big win, a big comeback. Rodgers and Nelson came to the rescue. The defense stepped up when it needed to, but it took old Marty Morningway and a ridiculous mistake which he's taken it pretty hard I would imagine it's not really his fault and we used to love making fun of him when he was the Lions coach for taking the wind in overtime when the Bears were in uh, and taking a penalty when the Bears were already in field goal range but um, what happens if that doesn't happen because that was a legitimate touchdown even though the whistle had blown, there were no Packers defenders playing like they thought the play was over, right. and they just outright got beat. Tremont Williams, once again, kind of, once we thought he was getting back to 2010 form, kind of playing a little bit like he had when he was struggling the previous two years, getting beat on a touchdown. They were lucky again yesterday that they didn't have to go to overtime or make a drive. It's, um, I don't know if you want to comment on, on Morningway or any of that, but... Uh, I'm sure that will be forgotten by next week's game, but they were fortunate to at least win it 31 to 24. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I, I mean, you hit on everything. It's Marty Morningwake's pretty hilarious. <laughs> Somebody give him a coaching some, job, please. Yeah, he tends to do some weird things. But you're right. I mean, that should have been a touchdown. And the argument could be, you know, the Packers heard the whistle. Maybe they stopped for a second. But like you said, they were there in the coverage. They just gave up a, a, a touchdown catch. It was a nice grab, mm-hmm. but it should have been tied right there. So I uh, thank goodness for Marty, and um, it could have been a completely different game otherwise. So thank goodness. But, yeah, I haven't heard really anything about that today. Mm-hmm. Um, any, I didn't get a chance to listen to much sports talk or anything, but about the fact that Rex Ryan wasn't actually the one that called it, maybe they'll have a new rule with that. I'm not quite sure, because he's the only one who's supposed to call it, right, as the head coach. That's what they were saying yesterday, Ed. Yeah. I guess this scenario hasn't happened very often, so I really don't even know what the rule is. I think that was a recent rule change um, in, in the last couple of years where only a head coach could do it, but how do you enforce that? If somebody's yelling at you from behind from that sideline, so you're probably apt to just give it to them if you're looking at the play. Well, you absolutely have to, because what would have happened if uh, they would have gotten a bad formation and Geno Smith got sacked, and he said, hey, we call the timeout, and the ref's like, no, I'm, I know Marty Morningway for 20 years. That's his voice, not yours. Right. I mean, he would have thrown a fit. So I think the referee uh, really was he, – he had no other choice, I think, at that point. Mm-hmm. So thanks, Marty. Um, 
you're welcome back anytime, preferably only as a visitor. I don't know yes. if we want you on. Although he was the quarterback coach in 96 when they won the Super Bowl, so we'll give him that. Speaking of old-timey Packers, I really wish I had the Vince Lombardi what the hell's going on out here quote because when we thought we knew everything about the NFL after last week, then week two happened, and now I have no idea what to expect from the rest of this year. We're going to start with the obvious one, the Seattle Seahawks, who looked like they were head and shoulders above the rest of the NFL, kicking the crap out of the Packers at uh, CenturyLink Field on the season opener. They went down to San Diego, and Philip Rivers did this really, really bizarre tactic where he decided to throw the ball in the direction of Richard Sherman, who happens to be a player on the Seahawks, and he played great. Uh, Philip Rivers kind of tore him apart. Seattle lost 30-21, to and that was with a free touchdown that Percy Harvin didn't actually score. I was shocked to see that happen, and as I was feeling better about the Packers having come back, then all of a sudden they flashed the score on the screen that San Diego really took it to Seattle, and then yeah. my enthusiasm kind of deflated a bit. And then Chicago goes into San Francisco and beats them. And so... <laughs> There's a million things you could uh, comment on there. The Saints losing to the Browns. Take your pick. What is going on out here? Yeah, I mean, San Diego kind of seems like a poor man's Packer, too. I mean, and for them to go in uh, to play play Seattle and just beat them the way they did, that's really impressive. And I know today everybody's been saying, oh, San Diego is one of the best teams in the league, but they just lost to Arizona last week, too. (laughs) And they gave up, what, like 17 unanswered in the fourth quarter or something like that? Yeah, they lost 17 to 18 and couldn't really move the ball on Arizona all that well. So I think it's just a sign, I mean, how, you know, it might look like Seattle's the best team far and away after week one, and I think I even said that exactly last week, but I think everybody's just so close that even a game like Cleveland, New Orleans, I mean, you can't bank on anything these days. So the same with the Packers. I I think that's why nobody would have been surprised had they lost yesterday. I think it just all kind of boils down to everybody being pretty close. And I think there was a lot of good games, and there's a lot of excitement because of it. That Bears game last night was pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess I don't really have anything intelligent to say, but I just (laughs) – just, I think it's just the sign of, you know, kind of the way the league is right now, and just when you think you've got it figured out, you don't know anything. Yeah, and it is week two, and we've seen this in years past where I can't really, th- I think the most prominent example that I can think of is how average, I'm going way back again with my nerdiness, but the Raiders were super average in 2002, where they started like 4-0, and and everybody's like, oh my gosh, they're great, and then they lost four in a row, and they're like, oh, they stink, and then they were one of the best offenses of all time for the next yeah. 10 games. And so the Buccaneers had the opposite, uh, except on the defensive side of the ball that year. So I think it takes a while for teams to establish themselves most seasons. And so maybe we're just seeing a little bit of that. Um, I wanted to mention a couple of things. I'll start with the Bears game since you brought that up. At the end of that game, I found myself in a very strange position trying to decide what I wanted to happen in that game. Because part of me was like, gosh, I kind of want San Francisco to hold on to this game so we can have a game lead over the Bears. They'll be buried. But then on the other side, I thought, well, you know, if San Francisco is going to play close to everybody, I'm like, I'd rather go to Soldier Field and play the Bears than have to deal with San Francisco anywhere. So I'm kind of glad the Bears ended up winning. Yeah, I was trying my best to cheer for San Francisco, but I just can't. And as a Packer fan, it sounds weird to say you're cheering for anybody over Chicago. I understand that. But, I mean, we've had Chicago's number, and we definitely have not had San Francisco's number. So right now, at the present time, I might hate them just a little bit more. Um, And I think when I keep picking against San Francisco lately, like last week I picked Dallas, it's because I picture that exact 49ers team that we saw last night. And sure, the defense played okay, but Kaepernick is Kaepernick, and he made some really stupid decisions, and he couldn't make plays when they needed it. So I guess that's the thing that I think is going to keep holding them back. And, you know, and that's the kind of thing that makes Chicago dangerous, too, is their defense might not be very good, but Jay Cutler threw, what, four touchdowns last Mm -hmm. night against a really good team, Mm -hmm. and uh, they made turnovers like they always do. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the Bears are scary. Um, They're going to lose bad games, but they're also going to win games like that last night. Yeah, and I was really thinking more about Russell Wilson and Colin Kaepernick and even Cam Newton in there. I know their defense really shut down that Lions team, but they yeah. didn't look very dynamic on offense either. And I, this story is as old as football. I understand that. But 
I hate keep going old school. I know that's how I do it on here, but it made me think so much that these guys are all Jim McMahon. And a lot of people like Jim McMahon, and he had a 25-start uh, winning streak in the 80s uh, due to injury and things, but he didn't lose for the Bears from 1984 through 1987. And I looked up the stats one time because I was writing an article that I might publish someday, and he only had to score like 11 points a game. Yeah. And people thought, wow, he's good, he's clutch, he's got what it takes, he's a winner. I'm like, who isn't? Blaine Gabbert's a winner if he's only got to get a touchdown and two field goals every week. Mm -hmm. And it feels a little bit with Russell Wilson and Kaepernick. It's like they do the same thing every week. Russell Wilson, I'll get you 21 points every single week. But if the other team actually has a good game, what do you do then? And you, you don't have that next level to go and just go all out. Now, I know they did against the Packers, and that's basically all of their great games, if you look at Kaepernick, is against the Packers. <laughs> but you wonder how good these guys actually are. I don't know if it's scheme. I don't know if it's their actual ability. But it's like, as much as those guys are the quote-unquote winners, they're still not even close to the caliber of Drew Brees or of Tom Brady and Peyton and Rodgers. They're Jim McMahon. They're Phil Sims. They're good players. They'll manage the game for you with a dreaded word, but they're the same every week. 24 to 20, or, uh, 21 to 24 points, and if somebody has the gall to punch their defense in the mouth, I can't keep up. Yeah, and I'm on board with you. I think I heard yesterday that Kaepernick and, uh, and, uh, Russell Wilson are the last two in the league in terms of, like, passes per game, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, obviously they're not banking much on him, which is why I was kind of shocked when Kaepernick got the contract, and I'm sure Russell Wilson will get the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, they're good players and they're good quarterback, but they couldn't do what Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers and, and Tom Brady and Peyton Manning do. They're not built for that. Yeah, win Super so, Bowls with, uh, well, they all had decent defenses, but contend every year with one side of the football being any good. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't run an offense like we run with Russell Wilson. He just couldn't do it. So yeah. he's a good fit, but I, yeah, I'm not sold either. You can say how clutch he is, and yeah, he won a Super Bowl, but I think everybody knows that he's not the number one reason for that. So mm-hmm. that's that's the reason why I keep feeling these teams are vulnerable, but they keep proving me wrong every time I pick against them. It seems like mm-hmm. so. Yeah, I, I'm completely on board with you there. I'll, I'll take Drew Brees any day of the week over Russell Wilson. Yeah, and and not to beat this into the ground, but it's for years you always heard about how clutch John Elway was, and how clutch Donovan McNabb was. These guys are clutch, clutch players. Nobody ever says Peyton Manning or Dan Marino were clutch when they have the most comebacks of anybody, because they're just awesome every week, and they'll blow you away, and if they're playing the Jets, or if they're playing the Oakland Raiders, they're going to throw five touchdowns in the first half. The reason people talk about these clutch guys is because they score 21 points every week. They're always clutch. They have to be clutch because otherwise they don't win. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens as it goes forward, and that's a big argument, uh, not argument, but discussion for another day that we've had in the past as well, and that's, uh, where am I going with this point? I'm just, like, throwing a bunch of different idioms and stuff in here. Um, these guys probably aren't worth the money they're going to make, and I guess that's okay with me because then that uh, cripples their teams a little bit, and then some exactly. great defenders will come our way. Yep. Okay, uh, there's some other things. Uh, before we get to our picks, there's one last thing. I don't know if we want to address it very much, but uh, the Adrian Peterson thing happened this week with the child abuse uh, kind of controversy. And I don't want to say much on this because I don't have much to add that hasn't already been said. And I really haven't been paying much attention to different commentaries on this, but I found it striking, as much as people want to say whether he was in the right or he took it too far, where is that line between discipline and abuse, I just found it strange that this happened to Adrian Peterson a year after he lost a child to some similar kind of situation, and nobody really seems to be talking about that, and I I don't know if it's even worth bringing up, but it's... It's a weird time to be an NFL fan, and it's hard to focus on the games, and it really makes you... This, I guess, will be the spin I put on it, unless you want to add anything to either him or Ray Rice in that. Yesterday, thinking about the Packers and the kind of people that they try to bring into the organization and the people that they keep into the organization, guys like Driver and Jordy Nelson and Aaron Rodgers, just good people. 
I'm sure some of these people that we think are good people are going to fall along the way. It happens to everybody. But for the most part, seeing stuff like Adrian Peterson and Ray Rice just makes it all that much easier to cheer for the Packers. And I understand something will probably happen sooner or later with the Packers, and they've had guys like Johnny Jolly and whatnot. But, um, and I'm not saying holier than thou, our, our team is so great and whatnot. But for right now, today, the guys that they have on this team, I'm very thankful um, of most of the guys that they have on the team. And if they go 8-8, eight and eight, I'm, I'm still behind them 100% because they seem to be pretty good people. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think that is the organizational structure. I, just yesterday I was thinking about that exact same thing after Wilkerson got tossed. It's, you know, that's the difference between, you know, a coach like Rex Ryan and a coach like Mike McCarthy is that wouldn't happen for a McCarthy team. Mm-hmm. You might get, you know, your junk stomped on by Indomitian Sue <laughs> or get punched by Mo Wilkerson, but you're not going to retaliate, and you're definitely not going to be the one who's doing that. Um, and I think that carries off the field, too, is just kind of the people that they have. So, I mean, hey, kudos to the Packers. Like you said, I mean, Underwood, we had that issue a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Jolly had mm-hmm. some issues. But overall, I mean, nothing major, nothing mm-hmm. um, like this, really, <laughs> like, Beating children or, or spouses or, or and anything. those guys go away. After. Yeah, exa- yeah, they're gone. Underwood never. I don't even think he ever played another game for no, the Packers after that, so. did he? So, um, but yeah, I uh, I completely agree. And I I was driving home from work on Friday and I hadn't had a chance to listen to the radio and I I hesitantly turned it on because I thought they'd be talking about Ray Rice and then they said the Adrian Peterson stuff and I couldn't believe it, especially like you said after what happened last year. Mm-hmm. Um, just shocking how you could even think to do anything like that. But again, that's a different topic and probably not something we should get too much into. But uh, or, and there's nothing that hasn't already been said. But yeah, I, I completely agree. Overriding story for this year is the Packers are a real class team and they've got a lot of really good guys. Definitely. All right, let's take that forward into the picks for Week Three. As I alluded to in the opener here, I was horrible in picks this week. Um, granted, some of them. Everybody was right there with me. Uh, nobody expected Cleveland to beat New Orleans. I didn't expect the Washington Redskins to de- turn into the greatest show on turf once uh, Kirk Cousins came in the game. Um, and then I backed some rather dubious horses, such as the New York Giants and the Miami <laughs> Dolphins and yeah. the Oakland Raiders. I can't believe I made that pick. But Matt did a, a bit better, 8-7, and seven, so he's comfortably uh, going to win this week. So I guess, depending on how we... I guess right now we're going to have to do head-to-head because if we did cumulative, you'd be up by like three games so far this year. So we can't have well, that. I think you beat me by one last week, and I only beat you by two this week at this point. So I think I'm only up one, and we had the same pick tonight, if I'm thinking correctly here. Yeah, we both had Indianapolis. So. Yep. Okay, well, so, we'll, yep. we'll, we'll we'll keep that method then right for right now. All right. <laughs> All right, uh, let's get to the week three schedule here. And uh, like always, we'll save the Packer game for last. CBS, they spent a billion dollars to get the Thursday night football package, and they thought, well, if Steelers-Ravens doesn't hook them, definitely Buccaneers-Falcons will. So we better have that second uh, on our docket. So who's going to win this exciting uh, matchup that is going to captivate the nation? Man, Tampa's just been terrible this year, haven't they? I, yeah. I didn't expect them to be a playoff team. I know I did see some people predict that. They just seemed like there was too many holes. But you would think this offense, with a quarterback who proved that he can throw it last year and a couple of big targets and a good running back, they put some points up, but they've just been a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I can't pick for them at this point until they show something different. This seems like the kind of game they might come out and surprise us and win, but i got to pick Atlanta. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. Um I wish the Buccaneers had like their old orange uniforms right yes. now, because this team is built for that—a ragtag bunch with a 35-year-old career backup quarterback who had a good year last year, some other cast-off targets from other teams, uh, a good running back that they drafted, which is consistent with the bad Tampa teams. And so, I, if they wear the all whites, it'll be okay. But I kind of like those sort of teams, and I'm kind of glad I get to watch a whole game of them. Yeah. But I'm not expecting much from them. I'll take the Falcons. I think last week we didn't alternate picks, so I'll we'll try to do that this week so I'm not just stealing your answers all the time. All right. <laughs> Up next is we have two red-hot teams, the San Diego Chargers in Buffalo to beat the Bills, who won by almost the exact margin that I predicted they would lose by, just to make me look like an idiot. So um, I think, you know what, I think I'm going to pick Buffalo in this game. Um I like Sammy Watkins. He's done a lot of good things. 
they're going to come back and burn me now, now that I finally am picking them. But San Diego has done this a lot under Phillip Rivers, where they'll have a big, big win over a team you don't yeah. expect them to, and then they'll come crashing back to earth in a game they should win. So I'll take Buffalo. Yeah, it does seem like a classic letdown game for San Diego, going on the road to a team that's hot, but that you still think you're probably a lot better than. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll still pick San Diego. I just don't really trust DJ Manuel. I think they've looked good, but he, I mean, he's made some plays, but hasn't looked great. I, uh, I do think Buffalo is better than I thought they were going to be this year. And going back home, that game was kind of awesome to see yesterday. The crowd was just nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think uh, San Diego will take this one. I think it will be a good game, though, but Chargers for me. Okay, um, we'll go Ravens at Browns next. Both teams getting pretty big wins uh, this week. Your turn first. Alrighty. Um, I'm going to go Baltimore, I think, and... Cleveland maybe even has looked like the better team so far this year, mm-hmm. but um, I guess I don't completely trust that Browns offense yet at this point. I'm going to go Baltimore. Um, I'm going to do something stupid, and I'm actually going to pick Cleveland here. It's I, not a bad pick. I was close. <laughs> well, uh, they're at home again, and yeah. Pittsburgh was just inept on Thursday. It didn't feel like a Baltimore win as much as it just felt like Pittsburgh, almost like they didn't even care to try. Um, their offense couldn't do anything. Uh, So I I still was not all that impressed by Baltimore, and I think the Browns, really outside of that first half against Pittsburgh, has had a pretty consistent offense. Um, And so I'll I'll take the Browns. I found it funny that they showed both of Manziel's plays, one incomplete pass and one like handoff, and they broke in like it was a touchdown on all the different networks. So pretty ridiculous. I'll take Cleveland. Okay, the Tennessee Titans, who crashed back to earth yesterday, Going on the road to Cincinnati, who looks like they might be the best team in the AFC, especially uh, they did that on purpose since I said they were going to fall back this year. Um, is it my turn to pick first? Yep, go for it. All right, I'll take the Bengals. I don't think the Titans have a chance. Yeah, same here to Cincinnati. Okay, Cowboys at Rams. Who do you got in that one? Uh, I'll take the boys. I I think uh, St. Louis really surprised me this week by winning a game. I kind of thought they were going to go one and fifteen ish this year, and they still could. They're yep, still they, alive for that. They're still in the hunt. Yeah, but I think Dallas is the better team. Yeah, this is kind of a nice remedy for Dallas after having to play San yes. Francisco Week One. They get a bunch of cupcakes in a row, and um, I think this will be closer than people think because Romo just feels like he's. I don't, I don't trust him at all anymore. No, I don't either. I'm astonished when they ever win a game, but I think they'll beat the Rams. Okay, the Houston Texans going to the Giants. So the 2-0 and Texans against the Giants, who despite my claims that I thought they'd get back on track, look every bit as horrible as they did last year. Yeah, they've, they've maybe looked like the worst team in the league so far. They've just been a, they've been miserable, and I think I have to take Houston here. Mm-hmm. I... I just think that that uh, that defense has been pretty darn good this year. That pass rush is good, and I just I see Eli just crumbling under that. And this offense, their offense looks so bad, and it's almost hard to fathom. But until they, you know, they have to look better than they've looked the last two weeks if they're going to beat anybody, including Houston. So I'll take the Texans. I am very reluctantly going to take the Texans. I just feel like the Giants have to eventually turn it around. You would think so. <laughs> but like you just said, why? I have no reason to believe they will at this point. They've been horrible on offense for two and a half years. And really, didn't they have a huge meltdown at the end of the 2012 season that cost them the playoffs there mm-hmm. as well? Yeah. So I don't know what's going on there. It, Tom Coughlin has those two Super Bowls and nobody can ever take them away from him as hard as I try to take them away from him. <laughs> But he's got to be, like, second to Dom Capers in the, is this the year when you're finally going to get fired? Um, he's got more chops than Dom does, obviously, with the two rings. But this team just seems to think it's preseason all year round and just, I don't know, um, horrible. So I'll take the Texans. Okay. Uh, Colts, Jaguars, it's my turn to go first. This is another game where, as much as I really like Andrew Luck, He's going to give away some really stupid games. Um, but I think at noon at Jacksonville, I don't think it's going to happen. If this was a night game or like a Thursday game, I might be a little bit more concerned. But I think pretty confidently that the Colts will win. Yep, I'm picking the Colts too. I, I feel like the Jaguars have been good enough that you want to see them win a game, and I want to pick them, but I, uh, I guess I'll have to go with the Colts here too. Okay, the Vikings visiting the Saints, the very surprisingly 0-2 Saints. 
Yep, and I think the Saints will go one and two after this week. I'm I'm picking the Saints. I think that week one for the Vikings was a fluke against a bad team. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the Saints, there's no way they're going to lose to another bad team two weeks in a row. I'm picking New Orleans. Well, New Orleans finally gets to play at home. And, you know, that's probably a factor in Seattle's loss yesterday is that New Orleans and Seattle are almost like the Packers were in the 90s where they're at a whole nother level at home. They're like a team with cheat codes when they're at home. And so I think there's no way the Saints lose to the Vikings at the Superdome. Raiders at Patriots. Um, My turn to go first. I think that it might be close for a while, but I don't see how New England loses this game barring an injury to Brady. Yeah, and speaking of looking like the worst team in the league, the Raiders are probably 1A with New York at this point. So I've I've definitely got to pick against them here as well. The Redskins with Kirk Cousins uh, at the Eagles. And I guess a two-part question, obviously, who's going to win? And one thing that I threw out on Twitter yesterday is I would not be surprised if RG3 never gets his job back in Washington. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think he will. I, to me, when Kevin or, uh, Kevin Cousins, when Kirk Cousins has, <laughs> uh, has started, he hasn't played well. Okay. It's been the games when he's come in for RG3 in relief, I think, when people aren't expecting it, when he's torn people up. When he started at the end of last year and the year before a couple of games, he uh, did not play so well. So I think that uh, the Redskins are going to be pretty mediocre with Cousins, mm-hmm. and I think that Griffin will definitely get a shot to come back and play some more just because I don't think Cousins is going to go win it. Yeah, and I guess now that I think about it, they shut down RG3, I think, after Thanksgiving, and then they still lost their last four, I think, last year. Yep. So. Yeah, it wasn't good. All right, who's going to win? Um, <laughs> I guess uh, I guess I'll still have to go with Philly here. I, uh, I think Cousins can maybe get that offense going a little bit more than Griffin has, but I still think Philly's got way too much for them to handle. Their defense stinks, too. Yeah, and uh, didn't... Deshaun Jackson got hurt yesterday too, so he I He did, yeah. I don't know how serious his was. I think it was a shoulder something or other, but I never heard anything after that. Yeah, um I just think Philadelphia's gonna win. They're they'll they're tough at home, that'll be tough on cousins, so um pretty sure they'll win that game. San Francisco at the Cardinals, which could be a very good game. I see it's at three oh five, so we probably won't get it um in our area, but that would be kind of a fun one to watch. Yeah, I'm on the Cardinals bandwagon. I think they might be my my wagon team this year. It stinks that they're in the NFC, but uh, they've been they've been fun and they've they've won some games. So I'm gonna have to pick San Francisco. Unfortunately, I think here, mm-hmm. especially I don't know what Carson Palmer's status is if he's gonna play. But I, I was think just trying to look that up right now. Yeah, I think if Drew Stanton plays, there's no way he beats the 49ers. But mm-hmm. it just seems like. Um, I don't know. The Cardinals don't have that much in, in terms of the receiving core. It seems like Fitzgerald hasn't done much, mm-hmm. and I just think that uh, I think San Francisco is the much better team. Yeah, Carson Palmer is right now listed as questionable for Sunday's game. Larry Fitzgerald seven catches for seventy-three yards so far this year. Yeah. Which, um, ouch! I mean, north of thirty wide receivers, so that. Maybe it will start to happen with more frequency. Uh, I'm going to have to go with San Francisco as well. I think even with Carson Palmer, um, this just feels like a game where he's going to throw some interceptions and yeah. whatnot. So, um, But that Cardinal defense, will it's going to be like a 13-12 kind of game. But I'll take San Francisco as well. The Broncos at Seahawks, which I'm sure will uh, now having seen it, will be our late game that we get to watch. Who you got in that one, or is it my? This opinion? is the only one that I haven't picked yet. I'm just still <laughs> staring at it. I think after what you saw in the Super Bowl, it's hard to pick Denver. But Peyton Manning and John Fox are such smart guys that it's hard to think that that's going to happen again, at least to that extent. Yeah. I think that they uh, they maybe turn it around a little bit, but I don't know how you make up that big of a difference after only two games in between that and what just happened to you. So mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a good game, but I'm going to take Seattle to, uh, to do it again. I'm going to say it's definitely not going to be 43-8 to eight again yeah. uh, or anything close to that. Um, the cynic in me says, well, since it's week three, Peyton Manning will probably light him up. You're probably right. You <laughs> probably will. Um, you know what? I'm just going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to pick Denver. I think that if Phillip Rivers can do to Seattle what he did, why can't Peyton Manning do it? And Manning has had a knack throughout his career, of coming out and beating these problem playoff teams in the regular season. Um, I think it was, what, like 05, even before they started beating the Patriots in the playoffs, they started dominating them in the regular season in Foxborough. 
And so I think now they have a little bit of a blueprint on how to beat Seattle. Yeah. And uh, that defense for Denver hasn't been great, but they've definitely been better. Uh, admittedly not against the greatest of tests yesterday, but I think it's that whole problem with Seattle. Again, I think they're going to be down, and if, if Denver doesn't turn it over, it's going to be a 24 points kind of game for the Seattle offense, and I think Peyton can outscore them. So I'm going to take Denver. Chiefs at Dolphins. Would have been a great game 25 years ago. Not so much right now. <laughs> yeah, this is a tough one. And this might be a mild upset. I don't even know what who would be the favorite in this. But I guess I'll take Kansas City. I think they're probably right on the same plane in terms of talent. But I just think that Kansas City's going to win a game. It just <laughs> seems like they're, they've been bad. But I don't think they're necessarily 0-3 bad. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that... Um, they might, they might be. I don't know. I don't. I don't know who I even like better at quarterback. Mm-hmm. They seem kind of the same throughout. I guess I'll just take Kansas City just because. And just looking at it now, um, I was going to give you a chance to change your pick if it was something devastating, but Jamal Charles is questionable for the game against Miami with an ankle injury, and Eric Berry is also questionable. Oof. So. Once again, poor Kansas City just getting decimated by injuries. Yeah, that's that is rough. I think I'll, 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 I'll stick with it just because, but okay. <laughs> I have less confidence. <laughs> I'm going to take Miami. I think uh, yeah. their pass rush was relentless against the uh, Patriots. And granted, uh, Alex Smith has more mobility than Tom Brady does, but I just have a feeling that uh, um, if they can put, especially if there's no Jamal Charles, I think they can rattle Alex Smith. And, or at the very least, every third and ten, they'll force him to throw a two-yard pass and yep. those punch a million times. <laughs> yeah. The Steelers at the Panthers for the Sunday night game. Uh, I'm sure that'll keep everybody awake with a nine to ten score. But uh, yeah, that's going to be like under 25 for <laughs> sure cumulative score. Yeah, I'll take the Panthers in this one. They're at home. Um, I definitely see the potential for an upset, but every time I think Pittsburgh's going to rise up, the last two years they end up disappointing me. So I'll take the Panthers. No, Pittsburgh stinks. I don't. Think, I don't <laughs> think that they're going to do much of anything this year. I keep. I heard at the beginning of the year everybody picked them for the playoffs, and it was kind of like how. I mean, their defense is getting worse and worse every year. Mm. They're every time they have a decent young receiver, they let them walk. And um, I don't know. I don't think this team is very good at all. I think. Uh, I think Carolina. At home, and they don't get a whole lot of primetime games like this at night. I mean, that place is going to be crazy. I don't think Pittsburgh's stand a chance here. Yeah, if they could beat New England in that environment last year, uh, they should be able to dispose of Pittsburgh pretty easily. Yeah. I think I'm one of those idiots that picked Pittsburgh to be like the sixth seed in the playoffs. Like, oh, come on. Well, process of elimination. Who else in the AFC is good? Yeah, I think I just had Baltimore sneak in instead of them, but both those teams are pretty bad. So. And I think I thought San Diego would be bad because of their schedule. Um but, yeah, that's kind of looking rough now. Oh, well, well you got to stand by what you said three months ago. That's right. All right, and the last game before we get to the Packers is the Bears visiting the Jets on Monday Night Football. This one will be tough to call. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the Bears. I think that the Jets have looked, or they looked pretty good, obviously, against us tonight. The Bears obviously came off a, are coming off a really good game. It's it's in New York, which makes me maybe sway my opinion a little bit, but I still am leaning towards Chicago. But I mean, this seems like a classic Bears loss against a team they should should beat. So it's tough, but I'll take Chicago. I'll take Chicago as well. I think a lot of the things you said I agree with, but I don't know if the Jets have enough offense. And I think the Bears' offense right now is maybe for the first time in the history of either franchise, the Bears' offense is better than the Packers' offense right now. At least that's maybe the first time that's been true since the '40s. But uh, I th- I just think the Bears can put up points and. Unlike the Packers, uh, the Bears, for years, seem to have some kind of secret formula that leads to a ridiculous number of turnovers against turnover-prone teams. So this feels like a game that Geno Smith's going to cough it up like three or four times. Sure. So I think Chicago will win. And maybe the toughest game to pick all week is the Packers in Detroit to play the Lions. And um, I guess i got to go first here. Oh, man. Uh, I'll I'll take the Packers, maybe just because I don't have much faith in the Lions, and uh, I think the Packers maybe will be able to get on track. It scares me because the Lions actually right now have one of the best rushing defenses in the NFL. Um, 
and, and Megatron has destroyed the Packers. I think it's the only, he's got over like 1200 yards against the Packers for his career. If you take his 12 games in his career against the Packers, that's good enough to go to the Pro Bowl. And, uh, yikes. Very little confidence in this pick, but I'll take the Packers. Yeah, I think I agree with everything you said. I'm I'm taking the Packers, but my hat is telling me to take Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, this just seems like the the season where you lose in Detroit. Yeah, it's uh, it's just this, one of those Packer teams which isn't really good enough, um, and a Lions team that's that's pretty good. It just seems like the perfect. You know, this, this is the year where you lose at Chicago, you lose at Detroit. This is um, 1999. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. But I'm still taking the Packers here just because, like you said, I don't trust the Lions for anything. Mm-hmm. And I think Stafford might turn the ball over a little bit. I think it's going to be a good game. It's probably going to be right down to the wire, but I think I'll just take the Packers. Yeah. Um, it, they have a rough stretch now. In the next or an 11-day stretch, they play all three division uh, mm-hmm. opponents. So it would be nice to get off to a good start. All right, so that's all we have for uh, week three here. And uh, if you want to... Go along with us and pick. Uh, there will be a link on the Podbean page where you can uh, contribute uh, your picks to the show. And uh, also, if you ever want to leave a comment, you can go to our Facebook page, Look Green and Gold Forever Podcast on Facebook. You can also go to the page where you're likely listening to this right now, uh, Green Gold Forever. That's the number four, uh, dot podbean.com, where all of our archives are. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at Green Gold Forever uh, on Twitter. And you can also check us out or check me out. Every Friday, uh, unless the game's on Thursday, but every Friday in the afternoon, I'll be on KZ Radio giving my uh, preview of the game. That's 92.9 in Appleton and uh, 104.3 in Green Bay. You can also listen to it online at mykzradio.com. They play all the great hits of the 80s and 90s, so the Packers weren't so good in the 80s, but a lot of the music was, so you can go listen to some of that. And uh, also they got some good hits from the 90s. So uh, if you want to check those out again, go for it. And if uh, if you haven't heard any of those songs ever before, give them a chance. There's some fun stuff on there. So uh, that's KZ Radio, where we'll have me there. And uh, I, that's it. again, I, I guess that's all my shills in here. Um, what time is that supposed to be? It's on Friday afternoons. So if you uh, tune in to Ty Collins' show uh, from 10 to 2, uh, you can uh, listen to Sometime me. Sometime in there, okay. Yeah, uh, towards towards the end of there is, is when I'll be on there. But why not listen to all, I mean. The whole thing. There's White Snake. D- don't you want to hear White Snake? But for some of us that can't listen to radio for four hours at work on the computer, I that's just kind of try to narrow it down here a little bit. <laughs> well, that's true. Now, people appreciate that. But then why not listen on the weekend? I mean, there's some great hits. Exactly. Yeah, I'll listen to it all weekend long while I'm watching <laughs> football, but I, I just want to hear your segment on Friday afternoon. Okay. Well, that's fair. That's very supportive of you. Um, speaking of stuff that I did, did you realize that one time I wrote an article about the I, Super Bowl the, and potential Super Bowl matchups? I did. That was actually – I liked your uh, your end zones that you had on the fake fields that you created there. That was fun. Yeah, well, maybe we'll do it again uh, this coming Super Bowl season. You never know what we got in store. All right, enough shill. The Packers have a very tough matchup against the Lions, and it's made even tougher by the fact that we don't know how good this team is. But hopefully they're good enough to get a win in Detroit. And at the very least, if Sunday was any indication, we're in store for some wild and crazy matchups uh, in 2014. And depending on your disposition, that's either a really good thing or a horribly stressful thing. Um, For me, at this stage in my fandom, it's a little bit of both. I don't know about you, Matt. Yeah. All right, so uh, we'll get out of here. Uh, Enjoy the Monday Night Football game, and enjoy week three in the National Football League. Take care, everyone.